Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Leeds That Podcast. I'm Paul and today I'm joined by James. Hello, good morning or whatever time it is you're listening. And it is a good morning because we're talking after the uh, Wolverhampton game. And if we were talking this time last week, it was a sad, sad morning because I don't think we even played at Southampton. So we're going to delve into all of that, but we're going to finish on this massive crescendo of positivity that has come out of... Um, what happened at the dying embers of yesterday's game? So, yeah, let's uh, let's get into it. I think we do need to start with Southampton. We didn't turn up to do a podcast, similarly to our team that didn't turn up to uh, Southampton to play a football match. No, and it's tough to talk about when it's that abject. So, speaking of turning up, I did turn up, went down to Southampton. That was a long trip, I bet. Well, yeah, due to electric car issues. Anyone who tells you this, if you have an electric car and anyone says to you, oh, we'll do it, but the infrastructure's not there. And like to electric car owners, that's just like, oh God, here they go again. But then when you actually try and do a long journey, you realise it is true. The infrastructure is pretty shocking. And it's not that it's not there. It's just that half, more than half of it is broken. I mean, I think if you're a Tesla owner, you're golden. But anyway, yeah, it was a long journey. And how middle class you are, Paul. I saw some very unmiddle class things in Southampton and yesterday, which is a topic I would like to discuss at some point uh, later on. Um, but not from a middle class like kind of perspective, just from a, I just <laughs> saw some things that I didn't, didn't particularly like. And I don't think very middle class. Anyways, yeah, I'll, I'll run you through the positives at Southampton. It was 20 degrees. Oh, that is, that is nice. In the October. Sun, the sun was on us. In that second half, and Matthew and I stood there, absolutely baking. It was glorious, unlike anything on the football field. We've had a good chat about this sort of yesterday and stuff and thinking around it. And we believe that that's the most, certainly the most disappointing pit performance under Bielsa. It was just abject. It just didn't look like it was ever going to happen. And I personally don't think Southampton were any better, really. I, I think they didn't really have to work for it. thought that'd be the easiest win I think everyone will say this, the easiest win that they'd have, but we just looked lost. And I think the difference yesterday in the first half was clearly Rafinha, but we didn't have anybody with that kind of creative spark. It just wasn't working at all last Saturday. I know, did, did you manage to watch the game? Yeah, and I completely agree. I think the creative spark was lacking, but 
Sometimes you you need to uh, give a give a spark, some sort of ignition, and <laughs> and I don't even think anyone could do that. You know, the passing was just woeful. It just creating loose passes and just giving it away. It was just yeah, so disappointing to watch. And they scored from what actually was our best period of the game. That first five minutes after half time, it looked like we were getting things going, and then they just turned us and poor. That that's the difficult thing, isn't it? It's um, when you're playing well and someone scores against you. A bit like the Wolves game as well, which obviously we'll come on to. Is you know we started off bright and we played well the whole game, but it was first ten minutes, a bit of a fluky goal, and you just think, oh god, here we go again. So I think getting out of Southampton was the other positive eventually because, I mean, the trains were absolutely nuts. But uh, yeah, there isn't much that you can look back on and say that that was a good thing other than it potentially created this need for a spark that did come yesterday. Like, you know, the follow, follow, follow song. Yeah. At the end of that game, none of them were on the pitch. So I think it's probably fair to say the people who were like we are in and amongst a bit of an injury crisis the question marks do start to come about having a squad that's this uh this size which it's the manager's um choice it is his choice and we've seen that there are academy players who can step in but they do lack the experience i think uh it's easy to get carried away, but I guess the way in which they're trained, they know that what their role should be within that team. Equally, there are a core of players whose time at Leeds seems to be a little bit uh, precariously balanced, particularly within the fans' minds. Some of these guys' careers are done. For me, Bielsa's still the answer, and, and, and he's right. You know, we can't afford... We're not... We're not a, an established club that can have a hundred million pounds worth of players sat on the bench. It's always going to be, you know, there's always going to be some reliance on on under twenty threes coming into the first team, and we should be just thankful that the person that's actually coaching them and making them even better players is is Marcelo Bielsa. Yeah, hundred percent. And you know, we have off days. Everybody has off days, and I think when you lose those, I mean, it is a bit of a kick in the teeth. Where like it's it's that bittersweet thing of. Rafinha's playing for Brazil and he's playing absolutely brilliant. It's an amazing form. But their fixture finishes at four o'clock in the morning on Friday and we play at three o'clock on a Saturday on the other side of the world. It's a tough one. You want to have that brilliant or brilliant winger to be able to come on and influence games in that way. Not to come on, to start and to influence games that way. But that's the price you pay for it. That being said... You would like to think that across Harrison James, Rodrigo and Tyler Roberts, that that is enough experience um, within this system, within this team, that they should be able to go and put together some kind of uh, creative momentum. You can become far too reliant on one person because of how good they are. And it feels like that's the kind of mindset going into Southampton. And, and you know, because Rafinha wasn't there, it almost meant that the team just didn't really know who to build play around and they just became lost. And I think, again, that's probably why yesterday as well, the the draw against Wolves felt so good because we even managed to get something out of it without having Rafinha on the pitch, who has been so instrumental to a lot of our, our play in recent weeks. I think that's probably everything on Southampton that I ever want to talk or think about ever again. Other than, I guess this... This bit fits nicely in before we talk about the other bit. 
I have seen in the last, well, this season, a marked rise in incidents of what probably is best described as football hooliganism. Plenty of trouble and at Old Trafford. We had to, you had to actively kind of dodge it at Newcastle. I've heard it was silly at Burnley. Um, Southampton getting just walked to the ground by police officers. They managed to take us the direction of a massive group of of youths who wanted to lob bottles uh, and chase. And uh, then yesterday, I saw in advance that some wolves lot were saying that they were going to come and smash up the pubs in town and saw them getting escorted, uh, like marched out to the ground. A massive, I mean, to be fair, the police presence there was like in Southampton, it was one guy on a bike. (laughs) <laughs> and it, it it was woefully but you, you didn't expect it we were sat beforehand going it'll be fine here, won't we? Southampton nice family club um, and then yesterday there was a massive police presence escorting these Wolves fans to the ground we saw like just this guy stood outside the train station in front of the policeman going why are you running away why are you running away you're at home and like just like fronting up and making himself as big as he could to this guy and like where's it coming from what's it it's like we're trying to is it post lockdown? Is it like we played Wolves in Southampton in divisions below this? We played Burnley, and, and the as far as I'm aware, there wasn't trouble. So why am I seeing trouble now? A lot of things pent up because of the pandemic and not seeing football for so long. You have no idea what's going on in people's personal lives, how they've been affected by it. But everyone, everywhere, seems to have some sort of contrasting view. Whether you're pro-vaccine or anti-vaccine and it and and it just creates this tension and this just awkwardness even amongst our own fans so you know spill that over into a, a competitive game and and tribal like atmosphere of of you know playing a football team from another city and then it, it you know it all blows up really so yeah there's there's a lot of things going on and it's it's not always nice or easy to see or be part of I think that's a very good answer, to be fair. So it's a reflection of the general tensions within society at this moment in time. I would say that's a very well summarised point, Paul, of what I was trying to express, yes. Fair enough. Well, I hope it stops, because it's not very middle class, and I don't like it. That's what that's what I thought, Paul. I thought, you don't want any hooligans near your nice electric car. I certainly don't, and I won't be driving that to Leeds, I can tell you. Not because it's worth a lot, but because we had a friend whose vehicle was stolen the other week, and it makes you think... So, sorry to hear that, Nate. I hope you saw it, mate. He is. He's got himself a nice new motor. I think he's used it as an opportunity, really. But electric is he gone? No, he has not. Um, anyway, so I'm. I'm just going to lay out a scenario of how funny I think football is. It's four fifty-five p.m., twenty-third of October. Right, Rodrigo stood in front of the south stand with a penalty. We're deep into injury time. It's one kick. That goes in. The positivity raises through the roof. Rodrigo's absolutely fine. We'll lay off Rodrigo for a while. We feel great. We can talk about how brilliant Gildart is, everything else that we're going to do. It's one kick, isn't it? That misses. I think that's Rodrigo's career done at Leeds because people are that much on his back to, to an extent. That's how much the pressure is, and that's the kind of fickle nature of football. Um, and that all of last week and everything that we've not forgotten about because we've talked about it, it's kind of forgotten, and we're now back in this positive moment, and the draw feels more like a win, and Wolves will have gone back down the motorway feeling absolute dross. But 
how crazy is it that that's that's what really it comes down to yeah football is all about moments you you forget all the 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 difficult minutes but you could also think Bailey Peacock Farrell saved a penalty that was taken against him at, at that end of the ground and a year later he was sold so <laughs> you don't you don't know what the same fate is for Rodrigo I I'm being facetious but um it is full of amazing moments and horrific moments and that's the nature of the beast I think we'll look back on that moment in the season as a mo- We'll get into it in a bit more detail, but what we managed to do when Rafinha went off the pitch yesterday in Geldar and others and the crowd was regain momentum and have a really good go. It was a totally different performance. But our friend Rocco sent us a note in, hasn't he? Now then, lads, sorry I can't join you this morning, but uh, I thought I'd drop you a couple of thoughts. Um, Firstly, well, more of a question than a thought, but... Have we ever seen a Ellen Road debut from one of our youngsters like Joffe gave yesterday? I can't think of one. Um, despite all the talent we've had come through, it was obviously uh, sensational. Very similar uh, dribble to what Rooney did when he scored against us when he was 17 as well. I've not seen anyone make that comparison, but pretty sure they picked up the ball on the same blade of grass and very very similar dribbles so uh yeah yeah Messi or Rooney I don't know take your pick but yeah the boys are a real talent very exciting and the other thing um for Marcelo Bielsa it was a a victory for his 18-man squad uh because if we'd have had a a 25-man squad Gilhart well he wouldn't have come on but also would he even have signed for us if you know his philosophy wasn't as it is with the small squad and the youngsters backing him up so yeah just another feather in the great man's cap anyway enjoy lads great uh, result i suppose in the end or a great day anyway brilliant uh, afternoon ellen road electric atmosphere as always nowadays love it speak to you next time buy my book i think he might have been a uh, child sitting for joe Geldart. i could hear i could hear him in the background so the atmosphere was like my car Fully electric. I agree with you, Rocco. I agree with you. Let's go on to the first part. I have actually seen people making those comparisons. And I think I'd go for so far as to say is that Wayne Rooney is a poor man's Joe Geldart. I would definitely say that. People have made those comparisons. And I think what I would like to do now is try and let's let's see if we can gain some perspective. So I think actually that Southampton performance last week, just getting in minutes on the pitch in a Premier League game, allowed him to eventually have time to grow into that game yesterday. But people are very excited and understandable. You got a, It's not a homegrown, but an academy talent that's come in and made a massive impact in a Premier League game. Just how good is he now? How good can he be? And how actually valuable can he be to our side this season? Are the, are the important questions. He is full of raw ability, isn't he? he? When he picked that ball up, you know, 20 yards, roughly 20 yards out, just turned at them and started running. You just thought, yeah, that is someone who is completely fearless and that's exactly what we needed. A lot of the time we we seem to be, I don't know, it's maybe a bit harsh to say playing with fear, but we play this methodical football of passing it around the box to try and get into a six-yard area to tap it in, which is fine. You know, that, that works a lot of the time for us. But, at the point in time of uh, Joe coming onto the field, we needed someone like the olden days of Pablo getting a hold of the game and just going at teams and pulling them apart. And that's exactly what he did. He added something in that was completely different that we've been lacking, which is just 
someone running at a team and causing them absolute chaos. And I think I hope I hope it's not not that I'm saying Bielsa coaches are out of players at all, but I hope it isn't sort of taken out of his game because I think it's something that is he's clearly got in abundance and yeah, he's he's so exciting to watch. And I think we all we all knew that because everyone within the coaching sphere has been saying for a long time, you know, not just fans comparing him to Rooney, but, you know, in that space they've been comparing him and, and you think that is something to be excited about. As much as I dislike the scum, the scum man, this is a, a new breed of talent. And, you know, it, the fact that he jumped up uh, an age group for England as well says everything you need to know. So, yeah, I'm excited. And I think it's it's really good news for the rest of the season. It creates competition around that area of the pitch that we, that we've needed for a long time because it's felt like Rodrigo hasn't really been able to compete, which sounds harsh, but it but it but it is true. And you think, yeah, this is exactly what we need: someone to come off the bench or challenge Patrick Bamford for that p- position. Really, can't really dispute anything you've said there. I think it's all uh, like everyone's giddy, and quite rightly so, because if you watch his clips just from yesterday in isolation, it's phenomenal skill. One of our friends said that there's this like. With some players like Tyler Roberts, you look like they know exactly what they want to do, but it just never seems to fully come off. Whereas with Geldar, it seemed like the, the ball was a magnet to his feet. Yeah. He's so he's so strong. Well, yeah, like you say, let's not just let's not get carried away because you know it, it is a rawness that needs to be worked on still. But when when you're that small, stocky, and strong. To defend against someone like that must be a nightmare when you when you when you're so good with the ball at your feet because he glided past four or five players and it, you could see that a penalty was coming. You think if he doesn't get this in the back of the net, he's going to win a penalty. So it, it's a nightmare for 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 players, Premier League defenders to to defend against someone like that. So yeah, brilliant to watch. And a great point that I I read that someone made on on Waco was that by running directly at players who are on a yellow card, they know that they can't make a challenge or if they do it could result in, in in what it did and that actually when Italy's defenders central defensive pairing in the Euros final were on both on yellows we had the players who could have done that and they didn't and that's a tactical thing and we needed to be doing that so yeah I think we could probably talk I'm sure many will talk long into the days and nights about how good he is and hopefully it isn't a flash in the pan, but I think the long build with Geldart has has arrived in this place and it's going to be worth it. So I think from, from the start, it felt totally different to last week. And I do th- genuinely believe that Rafinha gave us that spark. Um, I don't want to turn into a new a current Newcastle where St. Maximan's their go-to guy and that's it. I don't think it's entirely get the ball to Rafinha and then something will happen. But I do understand how at the moment when you've got someone who is A, in that amount of form and uh, B, obviously that good, that, that when when you're struggling yourselves a little bit, that you would be like, right, it needs to go to him. Yeah, I agree. I don't I don't think they always look to him, but in the same way when you play in six aside, you always look for your strongest players, don't you? Or you look to play around your strongest players. And it's the same way, like the the, the players know how good he is. Therefore, they want to try and work their the whole play around him. Really, do you think that's affecting Jack Harrison's game? I don't know. I, I think I think Jack Harrison's affecting Jack Harrison's game. Mm. Sometimes he gets in such good positions, and he has you know he's 
his first touch is insane. But he just it's just always that final bit, isn't it? Getting around the player or squaring it into the box or crossing it into the box just seems to be missing. It, to be honest, the last few games has felt like those early days in the championship where he played for us and and the te- and for us as well, you know, where it feels like we're knocking on the door but but not really able to to get in there. In the cup where where I sit, when it came to him for that chance, I didn't mind him taking it on and it looked a bit closer. Then when you look at the highlights, he he made a really poor choice because he's he's obviously got power and he hasn't lashed it anywhere near it. Like it's got to be on target or you've got to square it to Rafinha. Those are the yeah. two options. Mm-hmm. And and I guess I wasn't hugely surprised that he came off at, at halftime. But I think that was equally to do with the fact that it felt like he started Dan James up front yesterday. Yeah, it did look like that, didn't it? I was trying to work it out. Him and Rodrigo were sort of swapping around a bit, but it did it did have the feeling that were we going to look for a quick ball through to Dan James and hit him on the break? And speaking of uh, Daniel James, I think he's had mixed opinions from, from speaking to people in his uh, Leeds career so far. I haven't seen anything really woeful i thought i think the fairest way to say it is i thought he had a very quiet game yesterday i don't think he influenced the game greatly and we weren't getting the ball out to him even when rafinha went off uh, so we'd take rafinha off we'd had we chose to take jack harrison off we had to take rafinha off which is something again that we need to discuss so dan james is left as the only out and out wide player senior wide player with massive experience you would have thought it may have got to him a little bit more, but actually it ended up going through Somerville and ultimately Geldart way more than than it got anywhere near him. The second half, he was definitely quiet and that left-hand side, we we didn't seem to be attacking down it as much. It all seemed to be coming from the right, so I think that's why he ended up being quiet. And also, Dallas was just having to defend a lot and he was doing it really well, so there wasn't really much chance for him to link up with with, uh, Daniel James up top, which is where we always benefit on the wings is when we when we get good link up play. We felt that Stuart Dallas had a like again, big fan of Stuart Dallas and, and the versatility he brings. And I think when you play someone at left back who's ultimately a winger who's played a bit in midfield and like they're gonna lose elements of their game. But it felt like there was a moment in the second half where he just kind of kicked back in and started taking players on and drifting. Mm. And then when he took players on, instead of getting it in a tight space and looking for the narrow passes to Dan James, when he got past these players, who ultimately more of them should have been on yellow cards because I think the referee was incredibly inconsistent yesterday. But he got into that space, which allowed um, moments like Gadart's rasping shot off the gloves of the keeper, those kind of things to happen. So that was exciting ultimately. I mean, it, it it always sounds biased and a bit cheesy, doesn't it? Saying that fans are the twelfth man, but Stuart Dallas literally looked like he came to life when when we started coming to life as well. And 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 you can you put yourself in their shoes and you think, yeah, if you were on the end of that support, the adrenaline must be unbelievable. You must feel like nothing can stop you. And he did, you know, I can't remember. It was a good, it was a good challenge or a good it, something happened, and it sort of seemed to galvanise everyone, and the team came to life a bit more. So when uh, Rafinha went off, I think we're going to do this all the time now. We're going to go back to that strike challenge on Harvey Elliott and look at uh, <laughs> the fact that Jürgen Klopp entered the field of play and got him sent off. But having looked at the replays, which is what VAR 
could and should and is there to do. You see that it was vicious and I think had a bit of malicious intent there to to leave one on him because he didn't have to do that. He was either booked for handball or for dissent or for something, but they never looked at the incident. So what's your take on it? I think if Rafinha had have clearly broken his ankle, the referee would have done the same thing that he, he did to, to strike. And it is so stupid that VAR isn't isn't called upon in those scenarios that or is it? I don't know. Is it is it stupid that it was called upon in the in the Harvey Elliott scenario? I don't know. The point is is the inconsistency and and that's what really irks fans. Traore, I think it was on Cooper, he had him on the halfway line, it was dragging his shirt and they like holding him round and he managed to get away and the ref gave an advantage and then Shackleton does one on Traore not not too long after and it's straight to the yellow card. Mm. And I know he booked a lot of their players and I know he gave us a penalty. But Wolves' game plan, they got a fortuitous break which gave them a goal. It, uh, it was frustrating. They're 1-0 up. And they've clearly decided, yep, yeah, we'll we'll hit on the break. We're going to sit. We're going to sit deep. We're going to sit with tight, rigid banks. And we're going to ask them to try and break us down. But we're also going to... Nathan called it cheating. Well, Andy calls it cheating. It is gamesmanship because it's not cheating. Um, otherwise, it'd be picked up on more. But they did that to run the clock down. As a fan... If I'm supporting a team that's doing that, I'm bored stiff, but it could be effective. Well, it is effective more often than not if you get into that position and you're good enough. But I think they did got everything that they... Well, I think they got a point more than they deserved ultimately, yes. The physios were even having a go at the fourth official, the Leeds United physios, at the amount of players that were going down with cramp on their team. But I'm, I'm kind of in two minds about this. I, I think a bit differently to other people maybe on it in that it's, it is incredibly frustrating to see teams run the clock you know go down with cramp and faking or you know appear to fake injuries or whatever but i also think we're a victim to our own fitness because i think teams are absolutely knackered playing against us and they just want a breather because they're exhausted for keeping up with us everyone needs to keep a level head when that happens and understand that actually we're we're also we're also the cause of of this. Lorente so, didn't he steamed in? Yeah, he did. <laughs> he did very much. He did. Um, but I I completely get it, and I get the frustration, and you know, because I felt it yesterday, but it was only looking back at it that I thought, yeah, the final whistle when pretty much all their team dropped to their knees, absolutely knackered. Oh yeah, that sort of tells you. Ex- I think that was knackered and disappointed because I would hate to be on the end of that. But it's amazing when you're on the right side of it. I think Rocco nearly slipped up and said the win yesterday and tried to say the result, the result. Because <laughs> yeah. it feels like that when you do that in that last moment. So yeah, great, great result that takes positivity into the Arsenal game on Tuesday, which ultimately bit of a free hit. They're in a decent moment. We're not gonna play. I don't know, maybe Calvin will play on Tuesday if he's wanting that's certainly some minutes in terms of uh, recovery, maybe the first half. We'll see. I just I think our priority is to be a Premier League club to build upon our status next season. And these games are probably nice for the fans. If you get a cup run, it's good for the fans. And it's great experience if you keep going through to put have the chance to put uh give Gallagher and Somerville and Creswell more and more minutes to get that experience. But ultimately I don't think anyone will be too disappointed if we're not in the hat for the round of the the next round of the cup. Yeah, I think that's the only thing for me really is that to to go through would be good. It'd be nice to get a win and just to have another game where some of the players can get, you know, get some time and and become 
competitive with the first team because I think that is important for the future of the club, massively so. I mean, if we win that game, it'll be technically three cup wins and one league win in uh, so far yeah. this season. So it's that's a perspective thing. We we need the points on the board in the in the league because anything can happen. Watford beat Everton five two yesterday, and teams will take point off. This sounds stupid. Teams are got to be taking points off each other, and we have to keep that board ticking over. And I'm not talking about it as in a relegation battle. I'm talking about it in a case of there are six or seven teams competing at the top for a certain amount of things, and everybody else is competing to be the best of the rest, and those are our competitors. And we've got, at this point in time, where we're at as a club, is taking enough points that we're still there next year, whether we're in eighth or ninth again, or whether we're in 15th, 16th. It's ultimately, it. it's about progression, because the longer we're in the league, the more we are moving towards that top six, regardless of the finishing place, because of the infrastructure of the club, the things that they could put in place, the development of the academy players. If we have to sell one of our two biggest assets for a big amount of money, that's going to have a big development on the squad in terms of the actual turnover. So I'm not saying we're in a relegation battle. I'm saying we're in an everything else battle. I think we should do a man of the match and allow us to talk about some of the other players maybe as well that we didn't get a chance to to discuss I'm not going to talk about Tyler Roberts in, in Man of the Match, but I would just like to say I hope I hope people could be a bit level-headed. The, the worst thing that I've seen this morning is people tagging him in. <laughs> I know it's tongue-in-cheek, but I just don't get the benefit of tagging players in anything that's vaguely looks like criticism. So when Rodrigo's penalty goes in and then he spanks it over the bar, that the, the people tagging him going, Hey, at least this one was nearly on target. We're Leeds United and we need to get behind them. And it's fine to have opinions about players. And it's fine to say it in a constructive manner. Tyler Roberts tries really hard every time he plays. And it just, for him at the moment, it isn't quite coming off. I think for Click at the moment, it isn't quite coming off in the same way. And there can be a variety of reasons for this. But I think everybody trusts in the, everybody should trust in the coach in what he's done for people over this amount of time. And and I think it's fair to have that debate and say, right, well, actually, at the moment, is Geldar an option? Has he put himself ahead of Roberts in the pecking order? Maybe he has, and that's a fair discussion. But just saying Roberts is all garbage and can't, but like, clearly he's not his Premier League footballer for a reason. So that's my taketh on it. He's not in my talk for Man of the Match. Far from it. However, I'm not going to be openly critical in a way that is not constructive whatsoever. Well, first of all, I look forward to Rocco's article that's going to go on the website at leadsat.com. He said he was already 700 words in, so you can tell he's feeling the uh, positive benefits of a late draw. Uh, I look forward to seeing who's in his man of the match. But there was, there were so many positives in that game. We were infinitely better than the Southampton game. I think, like you, there was a, a few little things. There was, there was some things in the game where we just looked to turn slowly and, and move it sideways out to the wings and when there was space in midfield for for players to just turn and run, like turn and run at a team, get, get you know ca- catch them off guard, and, and I think there's some of that that needs to be to be worked on. And but for me, man of the match, maybe a bit surprising. I thought Liam Cooper was outstanding yesterday, and and I think you could argue that maybe he he could have cleared it um, 
went over Harrison's head and then you know crossed him for the goal. But he was just so good. He he just cleared everything out. He was he made Traore have a quiet game in the end. Really, him and between him and Lorente, and I just thought, yeah, he, again, he's another one of those that's come under stick a lot from fans over the years. He's a bit of a scapegoat, and and yeah, well played. I think that's a, a reasonable shout, but I equally think it might be a bit of this where, you know, when you're at school and you've got a class and someone's really good and they're really good all the time. So this teacher starts looking and giving it to other people mm. like for rewards and stuff. Yeah, Liam Cooper did well yesterday, but he's no Lorente. And we can, <laughs> we've, we've just got to overlook Lorente every game because yeah. we know the contribution he makes. He was brilliant again yesterday. Um, and he's he is a different class. The way he reads the game is phenomenal. And if you the, the difference for me between Lorente and Liam Cooper is when a ball's coming over the top, and Liam Cooper deals with it, he deals with it, and he will head it back up. Or if there's a lot of time, we'll be able to take the touch and make a pass. Lorente reads it so he knows exactly where it's going to go, and he puts those measured headers or measured balls or or controls it under more pressure than the situations that Liam Cooper does. So I I don't I would always like to go back in and give Lorente every now and again to make sure we're not doing because it's like it's like when we overlook Calvin. Like when you when you when you talk about strikes uh contribution yesterday, it was fine. But it's difficult to measure when you're doing it against someone who is pretty much world-class or in the conversation of world-class players in that role because he plays that role for his national team and Stroke is a brilliant centre-half but maybe part of the reason why these moves aren't as confident as and fluid as when we have Calvin playing. I think Rodrigo had a decent all-round contribution and getting the goal hopefully will do wonders for him. Um Try to think if there's anyone else we haven't mentioned. Just going back to like when we talk about it, we've got we've got a midfielder playing at right back, then we've got our two centre backs, we've got a left winger playing at left back, and then we've got a central defender playing in the holding midfield role. And it's easy to forget all that. Yeah, it is. And then you go in front of it. Tyler Roberts plays, it believes he's a nine, and I think he probably came on and played nine. I think Rodrigo thinks he's a nine. I don't know what Geldot fully thinks he is, but the like we ended the game with a lot of pegs in wrong shaped holes. So I know they're asked to play a lot of positions, but it's just good to have got a result really. So I'm going to go with Lorente for man of the match just because to be fair, it was probably Rafinha, (laughs) but but he didn't get to last the whole game. Would you put Joe Gelhart as highly commended? I would give it, I mean, to be fair, it could be Joe Gelhart. His contribution in that last 20 minutes was game changing. Yeah. It was massively game changing. So yeah, if you're going to give it, right. Okay. I'm going to revise this. Joe Gelhart. Definitely. Oh, Paul, he's gone for it. I was torn. I was torn as well. I'm just disappointed that you chose Liam Cooper over Lorente, but he deserves plaudits for what he did yesterday. So it was was good. Yeah. You can't, you can't, he was really good. He was really good, but I think, Gellhart, like, well, I think it was four moments that were brilliant moments that we just didn't have prior to that in the previous two games. Nothing in, nothing at all in Southampton. And then half chances in the first half, but that last 20 minutes, he looks like he could score from nowhere. And he makes 
the space. And yeah, so cheers, Joe. It's on you. Right. Well, when we speak next, there will have been a cup game. There will have been a... We've got to beat Norwich. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, you know, what games the... get labelled must wins. I think <laughs> Nor- Norwich has that potential, doesn't it? Yeah, it's got... Um... It's got Banana Nor- skin, canary yeah. skin written all over it. Yeah, it does. It's got Norwich for hat-trick to Sam Byram. Oh, Jesus. Where, where is Sam Byram? I think he's at Norwich. I'll tell well, you what, this is this the thought. Was that a point gained or two points dropped? Yeah, And I would say it was definitely a point gained. I think Rocco thinks it was three points gained, but the points don't matter, do they? It's, it's moments, because I think that moment really has the potential to define what goes on next into the season. All the best. Speak soon. Podcast Network.